and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle, and this is the podcast about women in history known for mayhem and murder. Our woman of the week hails from Russia. But before we talk about her, let's go through some quick updates. We have a new logo, very thoughtfully and wonderfully designed by my very own cousin, Jackie, who you can find on Instagram at mamacita underscore doll. She has some amazing artwork that she sells on Etsy, so if you're interested, definitely take a look there. I'm honestly so in love with this new design. It's absolutely perfect for this spooky season. We will soon have merch with this new design available for purchase on fermiusreads.com forward slash shop. So make sure you keep up to date with all the new updates that are happening there. Best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast or go to frumiusreads.com, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S.com and subscribe to my mailing list. You can also check out our old merch designs that are still available for purchase on amazingly soft and comfy t-shirts for $15 a shirt. Those are only going to be around a little while longer and we only have so much stock left. So make sure you buy them all you can to help support this podcast. Speaking of spookiness, we are so close to Halloween. I seriously cannot wait to celebrate my favorite holiday of the year. And what better way to celebrate this final week leading up to Halloween than by talking about a Russian noble who murdered many of the servants working for her as a twisted sort of revenge for her lover having an affair with another woman. Her name was Daria Nikolaevna Saltikova, and she was the third daughter of a wealthy Russian family. Since this story is from Russia, there are a lot of Russian names, and I would like to just apologize in advance for my probable mispronunciation that may occur. I'm trying my very best, and apologies in advance if I absolutely butcher these names. Her parents were both nobles. Her father was Nikolai Avtonomovich, and her mother is said to either be Anna Ivanovna Davidova or... Tatiana Tucheva. There's some inaccuracy there and different sources that I use listed both names, which is why I'm giving two names as well. Saltikova married a noble officer, Gleb Aksievich Saltikov, when she was really young and had two sons with him, Theodore and Nicholas. Her first husband ended up dying and she was a widow with two kids by the time that she was 25 years old. She was also now the owner of a large house in Moscow with a lot of land and workers, known as serfs. It's estimated that at least 600 serfs worked on the land. She was known around that time period as the richest widow in Moscow. She came off as a very gloomy and withdrawn woman, which is understandable given the fact that she had been married and widowed so quickly, and she was also seen to be very pious, someone who would donate money and resources to churches and monasteries. But, like many other royals who we've mentioned on this podcast who demonstrated such great charity, her seemingly pious nature hid a truly dark secret. We'll get to that in a minute. Saltikova eventually met a very young and handsome man named Nikolai Tietchev, the grandfather of a famous Russian poet, Fyodor Tietchev. She appeared to be very happy at the, during this time period, but ultimately this brief happiness didn't last. Nikolai was having an affair with another woman a young serf who he eventually married in a secret church ceremony. However, this didn't stay a secret for very long, and when Saltikova found out, she flew into a blind rage and attempted to murder Nikolai for his betrayal. Which, as someone who's been cheated on, that's fair. I don't begrudge her too much for that. I definitely understand where she was coming from. 
maybe don't actually follow through with that practice, but the feelings of murder and rage, definitely understandable. Fortunately for Nikolai, unfortunately for everyone who was left behind to suffer under Saltykova's horrible rule, he was able to escape to a family's residence in Moscow before fleeing from the area altogether, along with his new wife. Saltykova, who, like I said, was filled with rage and betrayal, turned her murderous feelings towards the female serfs who worked on her land. It was said that she especially targeted those who were young and blonde. She would beat them, breaking bones of children and pregnant women alike. She would throw them naked out of the estate in the snow or pour boiling water on them while they had no clothes on. The list of tortures goes on and were specifically aimed towards the women. At least the physical torture was. She didn't make a habit of killing men, although three did die due to her treatment. But she would instead kill those who were close to the men that she chose, such as their wives or their children. One of the men in her service lost three different wives due to her cruelty and tortures. And as is typical of those who hold a position of power, many complaints about her treatment and crimes were ignored or brushed away due to her influence and connection to powerful members of the royal court. Eventually, the families of those victims grieving for their loss put enough pressure and made enough public outcry that Saltykova was finally tried and convicted. Now, not to be too introspective, but there's definitely a message there about not letting those in power silence you, something I feel like is extremely important to bring up in the wake of so many injustices that have been happening under this administration. Just a heads up, November 3rd is coming closer and closer, everyone, so make sure you get your vote in on time. And I will get back off my soapbox and back to Saltykova. Her story came to a head when the man who had three different wives killed while in service to her, who was named Ermole Ilian, and another serf named Sakoveli Martinov, both fled from the mansion estate to St. Petersburg and brought a petition before the Empress, Catherine II. This was an extremely smart move on their part, because as it turns out, Empress Catherine was actually putting forth a lawfulness initiative. So not only did she instruct the College of Justice to begin an investigation into the accusations that had been made, she also decided to try her publicly in order to make an example out of Saltykova and those who may follow in her footsteps. Saltykova was arrested in 1762 and was held for six years while the investigation was conducted. Many of the witnesses and surviving victims were terrified of talking, understandably so considering the fact that many times before people had tried talking, it usually led to their misery and torture. Investigators were still able to put together information based on the limited amount they were presented. According to forensics, and it's not sure if by forensic they mean like forensics during that time period or forensics later on from what historians have looked at, but according to forensics, over about six to seven years, Saltykova murdered 139 people, and out of those 139, only three of those were men, like I said before. The rest were women and children. Records of the Saltykova estate were examined, and slowly but surely, more and more witnesses came forward once they saw that this wasn't something that Saltykova was going to be able to make disappear. In fact, during the entirety of the six years that she spent in jail while this investigation was being conducted, Saltykova was unrepentant. She refused to make a statement as to whether she was guilty or innocent, proved herself to be of sound mind, 
and did nothing but taunt the priest when he came to try and gather her confession. In the end, she was only formally found guilty of 38 murders out of the 139 that she was accused of. Empress Catherine was unsure at first of how to continue with her punishment, as the death penalty had been outlawed by Russia, so capital punishment was off the table. On October 2nd, 1768, Saltykova was given life imprisonment. She technically went through two different sentencing sequences, one in the Ivanovsky cloister, and then another civil execution ceremony on the Red Square in Moscow. At the Red Square, she was publicly beaten before being chained in front of the crowd gathered there for an hour with a sign around her neck saying, this woman has tortured and murdered. I'm assuming that this second one, because the first trial was more for the royal court and to make an example out of Saltykova, but it seems like this second trial or the second sentencing at the Red Square was more for the justice of those that she had tortured or the families of the victims. After that hour, she was taken to serve life imprisonment in the basement of a convent. She was kept under 24-hour guard in a windowless wooden room in complete darkness. A nun would bring her meals along with a candle but after she finished eating, the candle would be taken away. The place that she was held was called the Moscow Cloister, where many women who were of noble or royal families would be taken after being accused of crimes. It basically comes off, in my opinion, as being this dark hole where women who'd made political waves or who were considered an embarrassment of families with influence because of the crimes they'd committed would be hidden to serve out their sentences. Now, Saltykova was not actually kept in the general population, so to speak, but instead in the basement, like I said before, in total darkness. After 11 years of essentially solitary confinement in the dark, she was moved to the monastery buildings to serve out the remainder of her sentence there. This new cell had a window that would allow the guards and the women who were in charge of taking care of her to keep an eye on those imprisoned inside. Saltykova would oftentimes spit at those she saw watching her, try to stab them with a stick or other sharp objects she would create inside her cell, or otherwise provoke them by screaming and yelling profanities. She died at 71 years old on November 27th, 1801. And all in all, she was in prison for a total of 33 years. And that is the story of Daria Nikolaevna Saltykova. I have to say that out of all the women we've covered so far, this one does have a, to me, particularly satisfying ending because Saltykova basically got what she deserved. There was a punishment enacted. She did spend her life in prison. Um, there was a type of justice for the families, even though only 38 of them, or 39, whatever one I said, really kind of got official justice. I feel like because the, her crimes were so well known, everyone knew she was really responsible, and this is just all conjecture by me. This is one of those stories where the woman we're talking about is absolutely awful, but in the end, it feels like she kind of got what was coming to her, and therefore makes me feel a little bit better covering her. I would love to know what you guys thought of this episode, so feel free to reach out to me at Frumious Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. I am on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, basically any social media. You can find me there and let me know what you thought of this episode, or you can leave a comment on the podcast homepage, 
which is frumiusreads.com forward slash a dash murderous dash affair. That's where you'll see all podcast updates, transcripts of these episodes, and where you can leave comments or questions, reaching out to me, uh, letting me know what you think of any episode that we've covered. Like I said before, make sure you keep an eye on our merch store at frumiusreads.com forward slash shop and see when we update all of our new merch there. There's going to be Well, I don't want to say too much, but there's going to be some really cool stuff. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Stay spooky, friends, and have a happy Halloween. Goodbye. Coffee over cardio is my go-to coffee whenever I'm heading to work, going on a road trip, or just want a nice and easy way to start my day. I was honestly never a big coffee drinker, but the different kinds of flavors and overall variety that's available on Coffee Over Cardio hooked me. And despite the name, it's not just coffee that they have available. They've got these things called hydrates that add electrolytes to your water and a ton of creamers if you're like me and just like that little hint of coffee in your cream. My personal favorite is the Saturday's Chocolate Donut Coffee, which is absolutely delicious. I highly recommend it. But if you want to try it for yourself, you can get 10% off your order with the code 10FRUMIUSREADS. That's code 10-F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. And try it for yourself. Let me know if you do and what flavors you get hooked on.